Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word in the Bible. And we ask that now you would work in us to convict us of the truth of your word. Please help us to patiently endure and to trust you while we wait for Jesus to return. And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, the New Testament book of Revelation, it's a popular feeding ground for heretics and for fringe dwellers and for outright crazies. The vision that John records is used to feed the fires of fanatical end times obsession or to stir up fear of the beast and paranoia with the number 666 and a whole lot of other stuff too. With all that in the mix, with all that in the background, I guess it's no surprise that 99% of normal Christians are wary when it comes to the book of Revelation. It's possible you may not ever have read Revelation from cover to cover. And so the first thing I want to say today is don't be afraid of reading Revelation. Don't be put off by the stuff the crazies say. Yeah, Revelation is different. It's different to reading one of the Gospels. It's different to reading Romans or Hebrews or Genesis or 1 and 2 Kings. It's different, but there's nothing to be afraid of. Quite the opposite. You don't need to be an expert in Greek in order to read it. You don't need to be a scholar in first century um, literature in order to understand it and make sense of it. You don't need to be afraid of reading the New Testament book of Revelation. In fact, we should be keen and we should be motivated to read it because we're told it's a blessing for us. Verse 3, Revelation 1 verse 3 says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Don't be afraid of reading Revelation. It ought to be a blessing to us as we read it. And I would add, if you're reading it as a follower of Jesus and you read it from cover to cover, it is a huge encouragement as we see God powerfully in control, and as we see in these, these visions, as we see Jesus exalted over everything, it is encouraging. Um, in reading Revelation, if you don't find it works that way, if you aren't encouraged, and if you don't feel blessed as you read it, well, there's two very likely reasons. The first reason is, well, most likely, you're allowing yourself to be unsettled by some of the crazy stuff you hear about Revelation. But the other possibility is that if you don't feel blessed as you read Revelation, then perhaps you're not reading it as a follower of Jesus. And the idea of Jesus being in control of everything, that is not a source of encouragement because you want to do things your way, not God's way. If you're reading this book, Revelation as a Christian, it ought to be an encouragement. An encouragement to persevere, to keep trusting in Jesus. Toward the end of Revelation, we're reminded again that this book brings blessing. If you jump to the end of Revelation to chapter 22, the book, it closes on a very positive note. Um, there's these encouraging things that we are expecting to see happen. Um, John gets, tour, uh, gets a tour of, or a virtual tour rather, of heaven. And look what it's like. So 22 verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree 
after the healing of the nations, no longer will there be any curse. And on it goes. You can hear rich Old Testament imagery being repackaged and expanded, blowing up into big, big, big picture. That, that image of the Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life. Here, we see the end of the curse. The curse that came with Adam and Eve rebelling against God. We see the Tree of Life bursting with new fruit. It is an encouragingly positive way that the book finishes. And then you jump to verse 7, chapter 22, verse 7. Look, I'm coming soon. This is Jesus giving the message, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Don't be afraid of reading Revelation. Don't let the crazies get at you. Enjoy reading it. Be rebuked and corrected like you do when you're reading any part of the Bible, but be encouraged as you take it to heart. And as you see Jesus ruling over everything, you see that Jesus has dealt with sin, dealt with the curse, dealt with death. And you see Jesus making everything new and everything better. Which leads to the second thing that I want to say. Revelation, it is all about Jesus. It's a record of what Jesus had an angel show to John in the form of a vision. And it shows Jesus at the heart of all God's plans. Jesus ruling in the kingdom of God. Jesus making all things new. The first five words in the book of Revelation tell us what it is. The revelation of Jesus Christ. We refer to this whole book as revelation because that, that is what it is. It is revelation. It is a revelation. And the Greek word for revelation is apocalypse or apocalypsis. And apocalypse, well, it means the unveiling the uncovering, the revealing. This is the revealing of Jesus, the King. Christ is a title, King. The revelation of Jesus, the King. That's what we're looking at, the revelation of Jesus, the King. It's all about Jesus. Um, the NIV annoyingly translates the revelation from Jesus Christ. The Greek doesn't actually have of or from. As I read it, um, the expected word to put in there in English is of. But I think what the NIV translators are doing is they're reading the rest of chapter uh, of verse 1 and verse 2 back into verse 1 because as you read on, you see Jesus does give this revelation. It is from Jesus. But it's also his revelation and it's about him. So my guess is the translators there, instead of uh, they read verse 2 into verse 1, Jesus is the one that um, coordinates this unveiling for John so that he sees Jesus. So verse 3 goes, um, wrong way around. The revelation of or from Jesus Christ, which God gave him, gave Jesus, to show his servants what must soon take place. He, or Jesus, made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, Jesus the King. So Jesus uses an angel. The Greek word for angel is angelos, a messenger. He uses a messenger to give his revelation, his apocalypse, his unveiling, to give it to John, so that John will write it down and pass it on to God's servants. So not only is this revelation from Jesus, it is about Jesus. And you keep having that reinforced for you along the way through. So let me give you an example of how all this is about Jesus. In chapter 4, you read in chapter 4 that John records 
seeing a vision, seeing into heaven, seeing the throne room of heaven. In chapter 4, verse 1, it says that John's invited in to look into the throne room. In 4, verse 2, he sees the throne. In 4, verse 3, he sees the one seated on the throne, God himself. And he sees, verse 4, elders surrounding him. And then verse 5, there's lightning coming from the throne. And this picture, this image keeps getting built up, a powerful and ordered picture of the throne room of heaven with God seated on the throne. Then in chapter 5, verse 6, when he looks back at the throne again, what he sees standing in the center of the throne is a lamb looking like it's been slain. And the same hosts of heaven gathered around the throne, worshipping the lamb. You see... It's a vision of Jesus seated on his throne in heaven. Jesus, the king, Jesus, who is God over all. And so that's just one example of what you see on the way through um, Revelation. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him and everything that he's fulfilled. Chapter one, verse one, the revelation of Jesus or the revelation from Jesus. Either way you go, it's all about Jesus. It's from Jesus and it's his revelation Jump to 22, verse 7, the other end of the book. Sorry, I've got my screens out of order. So that's the first point. Don't be afraid of reading Revelation. It is intended to be a blessing. Because the second point, Revelation is all about Jesus, the Christ, the King. And so next you come to think about the genre of Revelation. Um, we need to take into account the way that it is written, the style in which it is written. Um, it is a letter to Christians who need to patiently endure, but it functions as a prophecy, calling people back to Jesus. And it takes the form of apocalyptic literature as John records the vision that he is shown. So verse one says, um, Jesus gave this revelation to his servants. And verse four, John packages it as a letter to seven churches in Asia because he's told to. So 1 verse 4, John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before the throne. John's grace and peace greeting is a big long one that unpacks and rolls out right through to verse 8. We'll come back to it. Um, John writes Revelation, though, as a letter to Christians who are scattered through Asia, across Asia. And next week, we come back to look at the specific beginnings to those seven uh, letters. The other end of Revelation, John signs off like he, does, like he would in a normal letter, too. In 22 verse 21, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be to, with God's people. Amen. Yet again, the NIV have done a little tricky bit here. They've kind of smoothed it out. Um, it's literally, grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. This letter, while being addressed to the seven churches in Asia, is open to all who seek to be blessed by reading it and taking it to heart. So Revelation, first thing to notice is, in terms of genre, it's written as a letter. But it's also a prophecy. So back in 1 verse 3, we read, Blessed is one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Yes, it is a letter, but it's written as a prophecy as well. We spent um, a lot of time in the Old Testament this year, most recently in the books of 1 and 2 Kings. 
Something you would have noticed along the way through 1 and 2 Kings is that God's prophets don't always talk about future events. I mean, in English, we very quickly connect prophecy with prediction. But in the Old Testament, the function of God's prophet was to speak the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord most often was to call his people back to him, to remind them of stuff he said in the past and call them back to him. And only sometimes did the word of the Lord involve saying something which God would do in the future. So when John calls his letter a prophecy, think in terms of Old Testament prophecy, the word of the Lord, not necessarily predictive, not necessarily future, but the word of the Lord, and most likely calling people back to repentance. So we're talking about the genre of the book of Revelation. It's a letter. It's a prophecy. And the third, thirdly, it's also a record of a vision. So if you look down in verse 9 of chapter 1, it says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. So here's John declaring himself a brother of the Christians he's writing to. So he's including himself in the suffering these Christians are enduring. He too is patiently enduring. Together, they're part of God's kingdom. He's saying, we're united in this. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word and the, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John is in, um, incarcerated. He's set on the island of Patmos, essentially imprisoned there, because he's been bearing witness to Jesus. I'm not sure how well you can see that map, but you can see the island of Patmos there off the coast, and you can see the seven churches he's told to write to as well. He goes um, on verse 10, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. Um, John, he finds himself seeing this vision, a vision which he's told to record and send off to the churches around Asia. And it goes on, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and on the vision goes, we get to look at that next week. For now, we're getting a feel for the style of writing that we've got here in front of us. Um, Revelation, it's a letter, it's a prophecy. It records the word of God. And it's written as a recount of a vision Think about verse 9 a little more. This vision or this prophecy, this vision or this prophecy, it's written to Christians who need to patiently endure while they wait for Jesus to return. It's intended that it will be a blessing for them. Still thinking about the style in which um, Revelation was written. Still thinking about the style in which Revelation was written, um, why isn't it just simple and plain and easy to, to read? Well, some people think that it's written in code. They think that John wrote in code so that his letter could make its way past the guards before going to Asia. Others view this as being the way it is simply because he wrote what he saw. He wrote what he was shown. Whichever way you look at it, what we have in front of us reflects in front of us reflects a genre of writing that's become known as apocalyptic. Um, yeah, you can hear the word um, for revelation in Greek behind it, apocalypsis. 
Um, the genre, it's not um, made up in order to define what Revelation is. There are other examples of apocalyptic literature, some in the Bible and some outside the Bible. For example, the bulk of the Old Testament book of Daniel is written in this apocalyptic style with big pictures and symbol, symbols and so on. But there is apocalyptic um, writing that's in the Bible. There's also Jewish apocalyptic writing that was around from 200 BC to 100 AD. Um, and apocalyptic writing, it talks about stuff that you normally don't get to see. It talks about the future. It talks about the heavenly realms. And it's a style that uses lots of images and lots of symbols. And apocalyptic writing, usually it gets attributed to old heroes of the past. For example, there's the book of Enoch. It's apocalyptic, and it's written as if the author were Enoch in the Old Testament. So Revelation, yeah, it has this, it takes on this apocalyptic type of um, genre, similar to the way in which a lot of the Old Testament prophecy is written in poetry. Revelation takes this apocalyptic genre. And John's vision, though, it's not attributed to some long-dead hero. No, this one's attributed to Jesus. And it's not a wildly hopeful spin on distant future events. It's talking about what is now upon us. So if you look at Revelation 1 verse 1 again, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the, the things that must soon take place. They must soon take place back when it was written almost 2,000 years ago. So it's on us. It's upon us. As far as the content of the imagery in Revelation, all the images and the symbolism and the pictures they're echoes, they're retelling, they're reshaping of what you find in the Old Testament. So you don't need to be an expert in apocalyptic literature to be able to read Revelation and be blessed by reading it. You just need to be familiar with your Old Testament and the Gospels. And that's something we can do. I would go so far as to say that you shouldn't actually find anything new in Revelation. It's a retelling. It's a repainting, a repackaging, a re-imaging of what you see in the rest of the Bible and the Old Testament in particular, the hope of the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. And the main distinctive in John's, in John's apocalyptic letter is that it's like the Old Testament prophets. It's a prophecy and it calls people back to God, calls us to repent and live for Jesus with him as our king and then to patiently endure and wait for Jesus to return. Um, the last bit of Revelation I want to read today is verses 4 to 8 that we kind of skipped over. We'll just go through it. We'll step through it and, and look at how unique the summary is of the Trinity, of how salvation works and of our expectation that Jesus will return. So it goes like this, verse 4, 1 verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in, that are in Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's God the Father. That's the creator God. That's the I am Yahweh. In Exodus, the I am. You can, you can hear the, the Exodus idea kind of unpacked. It goes on, and from the seven spirits who are before the throne. That one's got me wondering. It sounds like the, the, the God, the spirit. Why seven? Is it just complete? That's what Revelation does to you. It kind of puts his spin on things, leaves you guessing a little bit. But don't get too stressed by it. Verse five goes on. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. There you have John saying, grace and peace to you 
from God in three persons, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And then he gives us a summary of how salvation works. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, he's talking about Jesus, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. This kingdom of priests idea, again, it's pulling in bits of Exodus. You can see Peter do a similar thing in his epistle. And then it goes on, um, verse 7. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and those who pierced him and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. You've got kind of echoes of Daniel 7, maybe a bit of Isaiah spun in there and the gospel, what Jesus has done. And then it goes on, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. You look back just over those few verses and you can see it's not just like telling us anything new. But man, it's repackaged differently, isn't it? And as you read it, it gives you this big picture appreciation of all that God's doing. It is a blessing. It is an encouragement to us. An encouragement particularly to Christians going through a hard time. So what have we seen across um, Revelation this morning in this kind of very quick introduction? Well, we've seen, well, don't be afraid of reading Revelation. It's intended to be a blessing. Secondly, it's all about Jesus as king. And thirdly, it's a letter to Christians who need to patiently endure. Um, most misunderstandings that surround Revelation come from not understanding the type of book that it is, um, not appreciating its genre. Maybe this helps to understand that. It's a bit like when an engineer reads poetry. An engineer needs clear, succinct statements. They need logical, sequential order to those statements, and they need a summary at the end. If it doesn't come in that sort of form, it confuses them, baffles them. The art student, on the other hand, can compose pictures with words. Their choice of words, their combination of words, paint vivid images in your mind. Arts students, they can kind of craft their words so that it moves the heart and stirs the... I can't exaggerate. But you get my point. Give an engineer a book of poetry and there's no telling how he's going to wreck it. Most of the difficulty in understanding Revelation comes from not recognising the style in which it's written, the genre in which it's written. Let's remember Revelation 1 verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word in the Bible. We thank you for this amazing part of it. Lord, please would you bless us over coming weeks as we seek to read and understand Revelation. Please grow our trust in Jesus as we see how huge he is and how we see the way he rules and judges. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come as more people submit to Jesus as king and as Jesus returns to judge and to rule. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.